what's up everybody welcome back welcome back uh, another episode of shut up keep going a podcast where we explore our internet curiosities curiosities, curiosities. <laughs> <laughs> um i'm sydney goodman i'm kate franklin and i feel like this is usually when i say this is a podcast where we explore our internet curiosities oh, but we're happy to be back we took a quick summer break it was nice. Did you know that kids are going back to school now? <laughs> yeah, I feel like it I'm feels living... really early. Is that is that a th- is that intentional? Is that like a COVID thing? I mean, I don't know. Maybe I just I've seen a lot of people be like, "Oh, kids first day or whatever." And then I was at Starbucks, and there was this lady that was talking very loudly to her child about how like I'm gonna drop you off at school today, and I was like, "What's happening?" Yeah, Caleb, we got back from our trip and Caleb was like, oh my God, I have to go to school next week and I haven't registered for any of my classes. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's right. He's still in school. Yeah, which is so weird because he's going back in person, which we hadn't been. Obviously, no one has been. Well, some people have been. That's groovy, baby. Um. Okay, well, I mean, I don't know. Should we save it for the end? I was going to, like, do, like, a quick little catch-up, but should we just, like, get into it, and then we can, like, save our gabbing for... Gab? Oh, of where we've been? Yeah. I feel like we should probably do it now. Okay, well... Or should we keep people guessing? Well, I don't know. Honestly, I was just thinking, like, if people don't care, like, I didn't want to <laughs> scare them true. away. <laughs> okay, let's get into it. Let's get into it. Okay, let's it. get into it. You're, you said I didn't. I'll get into it. I'll get into oh, it. Oh no, you're just doing the long one first. I'm just I thought doing you long were. One. You said you were going first, but I'll go first. Okay, go crazy. Um, so full. I'm just going to do this. I don't know why. Just a nice stretch. Um, full credit to this topic is from the New Yorker. Okay, and it's not just because I'm a coastal elite now because I was in New York for two weeks, but um, I came home. I had a stack of New Yorkers waiting for me. Made my coffee, excited to be back. Wait, isn't Coastal Elite? I thought that just meant it was, do you have to be a both? Isn't that bi-coastal? Coastal, I just mean it as like, I usually say Coastal Elite for people that live in New York. Who are like elite. When, but Los Angeles is on I the know, coast. I know, so we also are Coastal Elite. So, but it, it's totally on brand that I'm living in Los Angeles reading The New Yorker. Anyways, I read this article in the New Yorker, the okay. recent ed- edition, and I found it really inspiring. And it was un- is surprising because it's about a space telescope. Interesting. When I think of telescopes, my dad is just the way he is. He's just <laughs> like my dad. I was gonna because it's not even that he's like necessarily very passionate about space. He just like gets really into things randomly. Guess what? Who I got ADHD from? <laughs> and I remember growing up. At some point, he got this like super nice telescope. Nice. Like it was like a like like my dad's the type of person that's really hard to buy gifts for because he'll just buy it himself. Yeah, and this was like such a nice telescope that like he got it as a birthday present, which means that it's just like like from himself. No, 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 no. I think my mom got it for him. Oh. But just like the fact that he didn't just go out and buy it for himself tells me that it's like it was it was a nice telescope. Yeah. And I just remember he was like, "Yeah, we're going to watch the stars. Like we're going to look out at the planets like, oh my gosh." And he was just like really he was like, "We're going to be astronauts. This is nuts." 
and we like took it outside one day and he was like look it's the moon and then we like looked at it and it actually was wild you could see like so much detail on the moon it was like actually really wild and that was the only time we used it and then it was sitting in his like gaming room nice for the last like 15 years i feel like that's the fate of most telescopes that are bought yeah i feel like unless you're like actually like an astronomer yeah i I got got astronomy and astrology confused sorry continue i mean similar same same but different yeah i was obsessed i wanted to be an astronaut really bad as a child that i wanted it to be one so bad and so obviously i got a telescope for christmas one year and (laughs) it was really nice like i was so excited and we like got it ready we go to to look at the moon and for some reason <laughs> i got like really scared looking at the moon that close up that i like <laughs> put my eye in and was like ah and then <laughs> never used it again what were you scared of i think like the moon scared me as like this like place like uninhabited place it for some reason like really scared me and like I, seeing it you were like that close up yeah. like i felt like i was that feeling of like you know like when you walk down a hallway and there's a mirror at the end and you like don't want to look in the mirror yeah i had like that sort of energy interesting um but now i'd like die for a telescope maybe well i wouldn't use it but i like the idea of one <laughs> i love space i also really enjoy space although yeah no we'll get in I'm not going to say this at the start where I was like, why are we going into space? <laughs> I've already ranted about that, but, and this is completely in contradiction of this because I'm reporting on a recent NASA venture of the James Webb space telescope or the JWST, which I guess I'll be referring to as, um, that reminds me of JSTOR. Did you ever use JSTOR? Yes, love JSTOR. Um, JSTOR is like oh yeah, I guess we should a subscription for like academic articles that you get when you go to college. Yeah. Um, anyway, so the James Webb Space Telescope, JWST, is a NASA ESA, which is the European Space Agency, and the CSA, which is the Canadian Space Agency. So it's like a joint venture. Wait, what does NASA stand for? National aeronautics and space administration okay for a second i thought it was north american space association i was like wait a minute canada's in north america no okay yeah it's, i don't know no um <laughs> um and this telescope is going to succeed the hubble space telescope Um, basically they're launching, they're supposed to, in the next few weeks, launch this new space telescope that is sick and it's going to replace the Hubble space telescope. Okay. So next month it's going to be taking the slow boat from Los Angeles, um, and spend a few days traversing the Panama Canal and arrive at a space port in French, Guinea, Guinea, Guinea. I always said Guinea, I think. Whenever I think of the Panama Canals, for we've I've been very transparent that like I hardly remember anything that I learned in history class. Mm-hmm. But the Panama Canals really stand out to me for some reason. Like I feel like I can see the page on the history book. I can like 
feel the history book. I can like smell it when we were learning about the Panama Canal. I have no idea why that stuck with me. It slabs because it's like the skinniest part of the earth. And then there's like, it just makes so much sense that you would build a canal there. That's why I feel like I always remembered it. I don't remember anything actually about it. I just remember learning about it and being like, what? What? I remember, you know, those maps that they would pull down. I remember my teacher would always use her finger really expressively over it. And she'd make this like sound and she did this really dramatic, like they would have to go all the way around to get to California, you know, like all the way. Yeah. And then when she was like the Panama Canal and she went and it like made that sound. And I was like, yay. <laughs> and that's yeah. How cute. This does. Sorry. I, this is the last thing. OK. <laughs> we it makes me think of there was this history teacher at my middle school. And now I feel like really bad because I don't actually think he was creepy. He was just like, he was an older general. Well, I don't even know that he was old. He was just fully gray. and But he like cared a lot about like fitness. So he was like in good shape. And he would like wear these like shirts that like he'd roll up and it like was tight on his muscles or whatever. And everyone always said that he like would like purposely drop his pencil to like look up girl's skirts and things like Ew. that. But I don't think it was actually, like it was just this stupid rumor that people started. Yeah. Like I... I am like 90% positive that there is there like nothing actually started. Everybody was just like, oh, like he like I think he coached the football team and he was like really bro-y kind like in that way. And he um, like was an Abercrombie model or something. And so like I feel like the boy, the like immature boys just like started this like rumor about how he like was into the girls as like. I don't know, but I feel really bad because when, when I think of history for some reason, like, I don't know, I just have this guilty conscience because it's like, oh my gosh, like, I mean, it'd be different if he deserved that and was actually creepy. But my memory of him was he was just like a really passionate teacher and really loved history and like was kind of a bro and like, pre- like making up rumors that somebody's a pedophile is like really mean and <laughs> gross. And I feel like it's like, I like how that's your touchstone for the whole, <laughs> the whole of history is a guy who is wrongly accused as a pedophile. Hey, but that's why teachers are important. They really shape your understanding of the world. They do, man. I remember when my teacher in middle school told me about Amazon. The website? Yeah. In middle school, how did the curve? Because it was when a, it was like when it was just an online bookstore. Yeah, I remember Amazon. Amazon first came on because we didn't have to buy our books in high school. They provided them, right? Did it was they? college. Yeah, it was college when you had to start oh, buying okay. books. Aside from like maybe you had to get like Stein, like uh, yeah. Cannery Row yeah. or whatever. I don't know why that was like the first. <laughs> it was your summer reading. Yeah, Cannery and so Row. I remember that it was like, oh, we have to buy it. So actually, no, you're right. I did buy some books from Amazon then, and Abe Books was the other one. Abe Books. Yeah. Do you ever use thrift books? They slabs. No, I like. I think it's called Monster Books or something. Oh. I recently started using it because they have like actual flagship stores. Oh, that's and, cool. Um, but you can see there it's a used bookstore, but you can see they do a really good job like cataloging yeah. their um, what they have. And then you can find it online and then it'll actually tell you like what shelf and row it is. Is there one so it's, like, in really LA? Easy. Yeah. I think oh. there's a few. Oh. Um, cool. 
<laughs> were well, we talking French about the Panama? We yeah, were talking about the it, Panama it's Canal. It's going to the Panama Canal. Basically, okay. this telescope is so fucking big uh-huh. and like intense that they have to put it on a ship to get it. To Whoa, space. like a big ship or like a? It's yacht? actually not that big, but oh. I. It's pretty big. I'm like picturing like a freight ship. Um. I think a freight ship. French Guiana, I don't think I'm pronouncing that right, is in South America. It's not French Papua New Guinea, which is what I was thinking. Yeah, when you didn't say French Papua New Guinea, I assumed it wasn't that okay, place. Okay, We're all on the same page. Anyways, so it's going there. It's going to have be put on a rocket because there's a spaceport there. That was Alex shutting his door. Oh, it's okay. Um, and then it's going to be freaking launched into space um, some 10,000 kilometers in the first 30 minutes, which is Do you think it's so far? Gets to say bye to its family? Um, well, the people that have been making it are going to be really sad because it's been 25 years that they've been working on this freaking satellite. 25 years? No telescope. <laughs> Sorry. 25 years? Dude. Okay. Yeah um have there are there people that have been on the project from like a to b yeah so um here's the thing this thing is going so far so the hubble space telescope that's the one where we get all of our images of like deep space Mm -hmm. from that's like right outside of earth it's just hanging out right next to us this one is going lonely no because people visit it and like fix it this one though is going to continue on for 29 days towards an orbit 1.5 million kilometers from earth i truly cannot wrap my brain around that yeah i mean this whole article i was like struggling to like i'd be like i get that and then be like i actually can't comprehend what that means um so it's going super far and we'll never able be able to visit it um even though it's going to be constantly in communication with earth um, and it will appear 10,000 times fainter than the faintest star. Well, then wait a minute. How would we fix it? We can't. That, but if the, like a Mars, ro- we can't fix a Mars rover. Sure. But didn't you say that there's people that's gone out to Hubble to fix yeah. it? So this is, you can go to Hubble to fix the telescope, but this one, they had to make sure it's like, super works so that's why it's been 25 years in the making okay i don't know i don't trust it i feel like i know i'm nervous i'm nervous for it but it's been through a bunch of tests to like make sure that it and it's failed a bunch of times so they keep improving on it and apparently now they're like this thing is ready to go that's why you shouldn't be afraid of failure that's honestly so true and inspiring so i 25 years ago i was two I too was two. Tutu. Oh, that's my grandma's name. Oh, Tutu. Um, so, but this is. <laughs> Sorry, I'm lying because I'm seeing Kim uh, from high school. Her mom once made me a tutu for a school dance. <laughs> <laughs> oh, she keeps trying to add me on Facebook. <laughs> Persistent. Um,. Anyways, the thing is, this telescope is so weird looking. It has wings. So it has like, okay. Oh, you mean like space wings, not like bird wings. No. So let me 
describe it in the beautiful way the New Yorker described it, and then I'll just text you a picture. So it says, on its way to the 1.5 million kilometer spot it will be at, the telescope will slowly unfurl five silvery wing-like layered sheets of clapton foil, about as large as a tennis court, but the sheets are each as thin as notebook paper, and these will function as a giant parasol protecting the body of the telescope from the light and heat of the sun. That is really pretty. Isn't that kind of a beautiful idea? Yeah, except for my brain, again, cannot comprehend what this thing looks like. I'm just going to text you a picture of it. Okay. Yeah, this was absolutely not even (laughs) sort of what I was thinking. No? No. Well, the... Looks very high-tech, though. Very futuristic. Right? Like, isn't the hexagons weird? Yeah, it looks like, like there's, like, these honeycomb... It looks kind of like contemporary art TM. Yeah, I can see this hanging out at uh, at MoMA. So basically the reason why it has those little wings that okay. like cover it is because it needs to be like super dark and cold and be able to send the tr- signal back to Earth. Oh, wait. That reminds me, if you're listening, you're like, I have no idea what they're looking at. You should follow us on Instagram. Shut up, keep going. We post uh, image guides every episode. So if you are not listening to this while you're driving a vehicle and it is safe for you to do so, you should pull up Instagram <laughs> and check out the, the picture of the telescope. So um, then once it gets to its spot, the little wings settle and cover it. And then the gold mirrors will open out and start looking in space um and each of those little mirrors are like the size of a house so it's it's really big i yeah the scale is completely lost on me um like this could be the size of like a fingernail or it could be like like how what are we the size of all of la and i would not for some reason though to me it seems like in order to launch something in a space it's got to be really big because I can't imagine something small, like, being Just able to... shooting up. But that's not, actually, that's not true, right? You could have, like, a little thing up there. I don't think the size is the limitation. I think it's maybe more just like all the equipment that you need to break through the atmosphere. That's true, yeah. To, like, get out into space results in these big bulky things. Yeah. Well... Because I was trying to think, I don't think I've ever seen anything, like, tiny launch into space. Yeah, you know, that'd be kind of cute. Like a tiny Cutie. little. The, the real thing that's exciting about this, sorry, I'm like being, I'm so slow on the whatever, I'm, my brain, is that this is specifically designed to look at really old light and like old parts of the universe to see how the universe started. That's why they launched it so far. Okay, this is going to make my brain hurt because the whole like time, how time works in space, like, you know how, <laughs> no. I don't actually know what, what the statistic wait, hey, is. I, I can explain it to you. Oh, I think I have okay, a good okay. way of explaining it. I'll wait, it. then I'll wait. Okay. So the NERCAM, which is one of the main research in- instruments on the telescope, will allow us to see light from billions of years ago when the earliest galaxies and stars were first formed. So... Why that is, is because light takes time to travel. So when we are looking at the moon, we are seeing it as it was 1.3 seconds before 
And when we see Jupiter, it was 40 minutes ago, what we're seeing. Because light takes time to travel and it's far away. Yeah. So the Andromeda galaxy, which is the nearest major galaxy to ours, and it's the most distant object we can see without a telescope, is what we're seeing is 2.5 million years ago. <laughs> the minutes make more sense no to the me. minutes i'm like with you and then once you hit the years honestly yeah once you hit the years or even day that kind of You're starts like, to get a little fuzzy for me yeah i think it's just hard because we don't have enough space we don't have enough like space as terms of room to understand light traveling on earth because when a light turns on you just see the light turn on even well, from a distance so the thing is like i guess i kind of get it because it's like the thing doesn't need to still be there in order for that light to still be traveling towards you right yeah but i guess it's just like my then my brain immediately is like time travel and then i'm like oh my <laughs> i'm not getting into that because i can't wrap my head around that i finally understood the light traveling thing mm-hmm. like i finally because what's it's hard i understand if this is confusing and you don't get it because i feel like i've read about this stuff so much and i've always been like yeah it never like internalized it and was like i understood but i now kind of understand this but here's a good quote from this guy who's featured in the article his name's david hell fanned and he's an astronomer at columbia and he says Quote, my students are often frustrated to think that they can't see the things in space as they are today. I tell them that it's a great advantage. It means that the universe is laid out like a book. You can turn to any page you want. If you want to see 10 billion years into the past, you can look out at 10 billion light years away. That is cool. Isn't that like beautiful? Yeah. That like really got me when I read that. I have something that I want to say, but I'm really trying to save it for the end. I'm going to write it down. Okay. So here's another thing that you are going to need to try to comprehend. (laughs) Just trying to make my brain melt. Okay. So most of the light spectrum is not visible to the human eye. I feel like we kind of. We knew this. Okay. So like when you look up at the night sky, you actually are only seeing small parts of what is actually out there because basically if an object is moving away from us as the universe is because it's constantly expanding then the wavelength of the light becomes stretched out and eventually renders it infrared so we can no longer see it Mm -hmm. do we get that that makes sense right yeah okay so this same astronomer david helfen says the the atmosphere blocks a lot of energy that's why we can live on earth but it's not good for astronomy and our atmosphere is particularly ugly for infrared so there's on earth we do have a lot of telescopes but this new one that's going all the way out there um, is going to be able to see a range of infrared that like we've never been able to see before which is freaking sick that's why it's like they're shooting it out so far Mm-hmm. And that's why we'll be able to see so far in the past because the oldest things are like super infrared because they're like super stretched out. But that's honestly, okay, to give credit to science fiction filmmakers, that's why the like when they go into like hyperspeed and the like light stretch out, that's a cool visual and actually makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's like literally what happens. Yeah. No, space is wild, dude. Um. So this telescope will have 
two main capacities that are like, this is a very broad overview. One of it is very far away, which we'll be able to look back about one 13.5 billion years in the past. Like I truly can't comprehend what that is even saying. Know. You know what I mean? Yeah. Which is, and, and that's basically like the, a quarter of a billion, the universe is a quarter of a billion years old at that point, which is like, it was a baby. Little baby. Which like, I can't. Okay. Uh, so he's saying that that's basically seeing the universe as a baby, like literally. Um, and, uh, I'm not going to get into the big bang, but (laughs) basically what they're hoping to find is why is look at the first stars and find out like what the fuck happened, like how we got here, which is crazy that we can understand that. I was going to say, yeah, because I feel like all through school, you know, everyone's like, oh, yeah, like we mostly know, like, you know, there's a lot of like very educated hypotheses, but that's wild that they could theoretically go back there and like get like an answer. Yeah. And that's so crazy about space is that you can look into the past because of how light works. I actually don't know if I can comprehend it. I just like thought about it and I was like, that really hurts my I brain. kind of have a headache if I'm honest with you. Okay. So if I seem more quiet, it's because my <laughs> brain hurts from thinking about this. The one that he says is more, because I think that is like the most exciting thing possible. Like that's yeah. crazy. But he says that the most exciting thing is the other capacity that this telescope has. So that was very far away. And this is very close. And this is what the other thing they're going to be doing with it, which is looking at planets that are not that different from earth, which are called exoplanets. And they're planets outside our solar system that have similar conditions. And apparently those were only discovered 25 years ago. And, um, they had only found 25 then, but now there's a few hundred, no, a few thousand. Sorry. Oh, geez. That's a lot. I know. Which is crazy. Did it say how big they are? Like, are like the, they... Well, so what is interesting about them is that they don't emit light. They, like, don't have a sun that mm-hmm. illuminates them. But when they pass in front of a star, they, like, leave. You can see, like, their shadow. And so they study the shadow to, like, understand the certain conditions of it. I guess. <laughs> I'm going to say I guess with all of it because I'm like, yeah totally of course um and what they're trying to look for of course is detecting free oxygen which is potential sign of life crazy do you think there's life on other planets i mean okay so i've always it's a little bit of a cop-out answer but i think it's extremely arrogant to think there isn't yeah um however like i think that like what is the definition of life like i don't necessarily think think or have an opinion on whether or not it's like comparable to human life but like sponges are life like organism do you know what i mean like it's like i think that at the very least there are like organisms out there um but i don't know how complex of life i believe is out there i think the other thing though is that when you think about like the like the time aspect of it it's like very much there could be life out there 2.5 billion years ago that is no longer there and they've become extinct but we're just now seeing it like i think that's also a possibility yeah yeah i think that's my exact answer 
Because who freaking knows? The fact that light we can see into the past is the anything's in it. Anything can happen. It's all fair game. I was going to go into the Hubble. I just feel like this is the Hubble Space Telescope was the first time that we were able to see stars being born. You know, that picture of like, it's like those Lady beautiful. Gaga? I'm in the deep end. Watch as I dive in. I'll never reach the ground. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I can't remember. <laughs> I can't either. Um, no, it's like those beautiful, like the pictures that's like dust. And it's like stars being born, yeah. which is, I always thought was cute. Um, that was from the Hubble Space Telescope. And we had never seen that before. And that was in 1990, which was like not that long ago. Not that long ago. Young, actually. And at first, this is why people are dubious of this new guy is because there oh, was... Oh, people are dubious? Yeah. People oh, are like pissed okay. off about this thing. Oh, okay. Because... There's no way to fix it if it's broken. Yeah. And so that Hubble Space Telescope, when it was first launched in 1990, it sent back super fuzzy images of like galaxies that didn't really give us that much information. Um, and then they found that there was this tiny imperfection in the lens that was like super, super small, but they were able to send people up into space to fix it. And then once they did, it was like phew, they could see everything. But with this guy, we can't do that. <laughs> So it's like so a one people, and done. It's like drama in the space community because they're like, what happens if it breaks? Like, then we just spent 25 years and probably upward of a billion dollars making the space. I was going to ask how much it I don't think it was a billion dollars. I think it was like several hundred million. Still a lot of money. Um, but the people that are working on it are like super hopeful and they've done a bunch well, of tests that's, that's to like good. make sure it's happening. Um, but like I said, we send rovers to Mars and they that's happened. And this also says that it's like people in the past couldn't believe that you could have cell phones and have a satellite giving you information, which is true. Um so anything is possible, basically. But I was going to go into the space telescope, this whole section of the article, but I'll, I think it's too much for us. I think our heads are hurting a little bit. <laughs> but the one thing I wanted to say was Bob Williams, who was this guy that ran um, the Space Telescope Science in Institute. And he was in charge of the Hubble Space Telescope for like 20 years. And he became obsessed with this one dark part underneath the Big Dipper and it's it was hard because so many people wanted to use the telescope and to look at things and like he got to make the decisions on what it focused on and so he focused on this one part and everyone's power like, i know right um and he focused on this one part and everyone's like no like you can't like that's such a dumb place to look i guess i don't know they're like <laughs> why would you look there and he was like i swear like something is there and what ended up happening was that he found apparently before this i didn't know this we didn't know that there was that many galaxies we thought there was just like a few and by focusing on that one part under the big dipper he found like super young galaxies and he, they discovered like millions of them that's a big difference i didn't i wasn't really sure how i felt about the number of galaxies but i don't know that i thought there were millions yeah. And so basically that like proved that like showed us how 
galaxies are formed and like how they're different and all that. It's a huge breakthrough. And it's because this freaking guy, Bob Williams, was like, I have a dream to quote Mamma Mia and Martin Luther King Jr. <laughs> um, so, but this is where I wanted to end because I was first really titillated by the idea that you can read space. Like you can like look into the past like a book. And so Bob Williams, um, he grew up in a Baptist family in Southern California and he always wanted to be an astronomer, but his parents were like, you can't be in science because you're not going to, you're going to lose your faith. Like you can't. Interesting. Okay. Um, and he was, he said, quote, he told me that if I wanted to get an education, I would lose my faith. And he was right about that. We were raised to take every word in the Bible is literally true. Um, but he said that he's often asked about his faith now and many traditions use the term God to mean basically everything that is. And in that view, the universe itself is the book and astronomers are reading it as it is, which is basically like the universe is the Bible and we're able to look back into it and understand God. Do you know what I mean? Oh, I know what you mean. Isn't that like titillating? It is, but I don't agree with it personally because I feel like what is God or a higher being if you can comprehend it but I I guess what he's saying he's making the analogy that the Bible is a way of God help helping people understand God more Mm -hmm. not understanding all of God but being able to oh I see okay that's what it means okay sure I would agree with that yeah I just love the idea of like reading like you can read time yeah, I that was like very cool. I think my brain hurts too much. I'm it's gonna okay. be honest. I f- I think my brain okay. hurts too much thinking about it, uh, to really have any. And in- my brain really hurts. It's okay, <laughs> <laughs> but it's cool that we can do that. I know. Um, I mean, it's just like physics, man. Physics is wild. I've always said that physics is like the one that got away. Like, I think physics is so fascinating, like, endlessly fascinating. And the idea that, like, math can explain, like, everything. I just... Because I... I'm not even going to get it. It's not aware. But it's so hard. Physics is so hard. It makes my brain hurt just like how it hurts right now. Like, it's just, like, so much to, like, wrap your brain around. It's interesting kind of beautiful about humans is like I I mean this is gonna make me sound like egotistical but I'm like wow like I feel like I'm a smart person and I like I understand like art really well and visual language but there's people that understand like math to such a degree that they can understand that the universe is expanding and they're just out there and there's many people like that oh yeah and we're just humans are so smart rock on but then they're also dumb as they're shit so, so dumb so there's dumb. some really smart people and they're <laughs> but my hot take which i said this whole thing i thought it was really cool i love the idea that you can look into the past <laughs> but i'm also the type of person that's like why are we spending so much money to be in space i feel like we have a lot of issues Sorry, I was waiting for the cat to be loud. That's so funny because that's literally what I wrote down. Okay. Was I wanted to pick your brain and see what your thoughts were in space or exploration and like the amount of money 
and time that goes into kind of like, I don't want to say making more problems, but you know, like nothing would really change here if we didn't know what the universe, like how many galaxies were out there. Like, it seems like it's like a fun fact. No, but like, it's just like, what do I do with this information when there's like so many issues on like the preservation of the planet that we are currently inhabiting? Yeah, no, I mean, yeah, I feel the same way. Like, I just wonder, like, it's like, like hundreds of millions of dollars. Like what if that went towards like research for literally anything in like the like sustainability sector? Do you know what I mean? Or even just like reform for like big company. Like I just, there's so many different. (laughs) I think, I don't know. It's so complicating because I think it's so interesting. And like, that's it's just a whole other realm. I think where I draw the line is like when people use this as an argument to be like, well, we need to find some other place to inhabit. And I'm like, no, we're not supposed to live anywhere else. Yeah. Like we got to take care of this place because this yeah. is where we're supposed to live. But I mean, but it also, it feels wrong to be like, we shouldn't learn more about the universe, but it also is like, it's so expensive. And like, I don't really know what it it feels like a luxury to me to be honest yeah. like I think it's like really interesting and I mean we were both talking about how like I think space is really fascinating I think it's like captivating and like very beautiful however I also think that it's like it's a luxury it's not completely necessary to our survival and it just feels like we're in this place where like there is a necessity for like using like very smart innovative people for like to solve other issues and yeah. that i mean that's reductive because it's assuming that like their skills are transferable but i don't know i i don't know it's just it's weird like the whole i guess you already said it but the whole idea that it's like oh we need to go to like mars to like figure out if we can like live there it's like no 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 no, no. <laughs> i don't think you understand like no 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 no, no. we let's like live here <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's good here we can breathe outside unless... we don't need a bunch of suits like <laughs> what if this just worked out yeah um but i will say one part that struck me that i thought was maybe applicable and i was like okay like i could see this argument is like if we are looking into the past and like looking at like the big bang for example and like that event and seeing like what was the catalyst like why did this happen like that could, I guess, give us insight into, I don't want to say like what would destroy a planet, but I think maybe having some insight in like what would start all of this mm-hmm. could help understand like how to better preserve. I don't know. I could see some argument there, but even then it just feels like it's like such a luxury to have that knowledge. Well, it's, it's not like, to just how, how is that useful? Exactly. Yeah. It's a fun fact. It's like a trivia. It's like, yeah. cool. Yeah, that was like a like multi hundred million dollar fun <laughs> fact. Like that's a little too much for me. <laughs> just, Simba just came over here and just like hit my microphone and then just like walked away. <laughs> he like walked off. Um. Well, thank you. That was very enlightening. You're welcome. And I appreciate. <laughs> I appreciate how romantic you are about it and I feel really bad because I feel like any other day man I would probably be with you but instead I'm just like blankly looking at you and I'm like 
<laughs> okay. It's okay. I mean, I'm mainly looking at it through like a poetry perspective and totally. not about like the actuality of it. Yeah. Which I don't think I can really comprehend. But anyways. Cute. Well, thank you. You're welcome. We like space. What am I learning this week? Love space. Today, you. you're learning. Um, Wait, can I just what? give us a compliment? Yeah. Give Is it, it not us. so cute that we are like, I'm doing my research for report to you it is cute that's exactly no it's super freaking cute i hope it like it's i hope people look stuff up because of this probably yeah. not but i hope you do. if you do <laughs> let us know because i would i'm with you i yeah. like i hope that this inspire i don't know that we necessarily like when we started this we're like i hope this inspires people to like seek knowledge but like I don't know. I look forward to learning whatever you're going to tell me. Like there's several things, pretty much everything, honestly, like I'd say like 95% of what you've presented to me are things that I probably would have never looked up on my own. And so it's like kind oh, of good. fun just to be like, Same. oh, cool. Yeah. I, and it shows, goes to show you don't have to be an expert to look something up or completely understand it because I did that whole thing and I don't understand half of it. I feel like most of our episodes are us being like, <laughs> so I don't totally get it, <laughs> but this is what it says. Cause no, but okay. I think you actually bring something super interesting up is this idea that like <laughs> you have to be an expert on everything in order to talk about it. And I don't know if that's like the call out culture sort of a thing. Cause I feel like in, and this is definitely speaking from personal experience is like, with like YouTube comments or Instagram comments or whatever, whenever you put content out, it's like, or put a video up, you're at risk of somebody be like, well, actually that's not actually a hundred percent correct. Or like this other thing exists and da, da 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 da. And it's just like, it's created this space where it's difficult to talk about something that's really interesting or you really like, if you feel like you don't know everything about it. And maybe that is, I'm not trying to make this a gendered issue, but like that might also just be because I'm socialized as a woman and that's like, you know, part of mm-hmm. things, but I don't know. I just, I hope I like that we can casually talk about things that we like and hopefully people Same. can glean some knowledge as well. Same. So today we're talking about, oh, damn it. I was going to look up how to say this guy's name. Wim Hof. <laughs> <laughs> Bobby Vanilla Day. Okay. I think it's Vanilla. Sure. Bonilla. It could, it's probably Bonilla. Where is he from? I don't know. Do you know who he is? <laughs> no. He's a baseball player. Okay. Um, for the for the Mets. Well, sort of. Okay. Pronunciation. One sec, guys. Bobby Bonilla. How oh, does Bonilla? Vanilla. Okay, according to the internet, it's vanilla. So if that's wrong, don't come after me. So he is a 58-year-old former MLB player who played from 1986 to 2001. Sure. Uh, He had a 279 batting average, a 358 on-base percentage. This is over the course of his career. And 427 slugging percentage. He won the 1997 World Series with the Marlins. I have no idea what any of these numbers mean. <laughs> um, the Marlins is a baseball team. The World Series is the. <laughs> no, just kidding. Um, he was a six time All Star and three time Silver Slugger Award winner. Um, from 1992 to 1994, he was the highest paid player in the league and earned more than $6 million a year, which, like, that's so much money. <laughs> 
know. We have a friend who is in the NBA and he just signed this like incredibly lucrative contract and Alex was like putting it in terms that were like not easier to understand but you know put it in perspective like how much money that is and I was just like I like glazed over like sports contracts can be so lucrative I wish okay this is a a small tangent but I wish there was a thing where like if you made a certain amount of money that like if you lost like a thousand dollars you would never like really see that so if there's a way (laughs) this is gonna sound so stupid there's like an agency where you could write to someone who has a ton of money to be like listen i need a thousand dollars and you'll never it will not affect you to lose this thousand dollars but it would really affect me in a positive way isn't that what gofundme is can i have a thousand dollars but it would just be more clean because it would come from one guy who's making like so much money. I feel like based on the rich people that I know, they meticulously know where every dollar is <laughs> and they would probably miss it more than like me missing the $20 bill that like you leave in your den- like the back pocket of your jeans. Yeah. <laughs> and so unfortunately, I'm just gonna like be a skeptic here and say maybe that doesn't work out, but like it's an interesting you thought I just would send out my agency <laughs> to give away their money. <laughs> But I'm not, it's not even for charity. It's just, <laughs> just for people. Like, just like, I could use a thousand bucks. It makes me think of like, just like really, I mean, I, I will say there are some people who like, there's a certain vulnerability in asking for money. Right. Mm-hmm. And who like, are like, okay, like I just, they're in a place where they really need help. And like, so they ask for the help. And I think that's very commendable. I think there's also people who are just like, <laughs> fucking dumb and they're they're just like oh like well i'd like a thousand dollars and like (laughs) well no so for the agency there'd be a really big application process where you would explain why you need the money how it would you had to kind of just like already be fine but one thing happened where you're like i could really just use like five thousand dollars right now whoa whoa whoa. okay we went from one (laughs) thousand to five thousand that's like a that's a jump that's $1,000. Okay. Does anyone want to join my agency? My dad is a financial advisor and he has all these clients that are worth like a ton of money. And we would go visit them at their houses. And some of them lived in like these like really like dumpy, not, I mean like lower middle class houses. Mm-hmm. You Not what you would expect not, from somebody yeah. worth that much. And then a lot of them were older so they would pass away and they would have like a 300 million dollar estate left behind and then it i mean it would be good it would like go to colleges and stuff but it's just like if i if you give me a thousand dollars like you would never like you wouldn't even notice it. i mean would those people sign up for your agency maybe it's a it's from <laughs> the cards <laughs> Huh. Okay, you well, you work be, on that. You would the people that signed up to receive money would have to be really grateful and honest people. We would vet them. <laughs> this sounds like <laughs> such an expensive agency to be run <laughs> because of the amount of vetting, and I'm sure you'd get so many applications. It would be kind of under wraps. Like you'd have to. You had to. It's fine. I'm working on it. Okay. Okay. Well. So, anyways, Bobby Manila. <laughs> would he join my agency? <sighs> 
Probably not. Maybe. I don't know. Because every July 1st, he makes $1,193,248.20 from the New York Mets. He will continue to collect that check until 2035. Why? (laughs) So until he's 72. He's been getting this every year since 2011. Why? And he hasn't played in the MLB since 2001. Why? (laughs) Oh, let me tell you. So in 2000, the Mets agreed to buy out the remaining $5.9 million on his contract. But instead of actually paying him that money at the time. Wait, explain why. What do you mean? That's what I'm They're buying out. Oh, okay. So buying out the remaining $5.9 million on his contract would mean that like he has a contract somewhere else and like they bought him out of that contract so that he could come play for them. Okay. Sorry. Yes. Um, so instead of actually paying him that like almost $6 million at the time of the buyout, the Mets agreed to make annual payments of about that $1.2 million for 25 years starting July 1st, 2011. And that included a negotiated 8% interest. So for some reason, they just decided that they couldn't or didn't want to pay him at the time of the buyouts. They were like, we'll pay you in a few years and then there's going to be interest and like, great. He's like, okay. And so at the time, Mets ownership was invested in a Bernie Madoff account and the Mets thought that it was going to work out and they would have made like a ton of money from it. Um, But uh, it didn't work out. So how can they afford to do that? It's so funny too reading this stuff because like I wanted to work in baseball so bad in high school and I was like I'm gonna be I'm gonna own a baseball team and I like forgot that it's like okay well there's these all these athletes who are making like tens of millions of dollars and like I have to be making more than that because I have to pay them because like they're on my payroll like I just fortunately how do they pay them that much they probably give them like direct deposit or something no i'm talking about the transaction i'm like how how do they have that much money to pay them through like ads because they're really rich but they make revenue off them oh yeah well because you think about like selling tickets um and like um media partnerships with different uh like distributors um this is gonna be like a, sponsorships this, this is a really hot button question feel free to decline to answer okay do you think athletes should be paid that much money i think it's an interesting i mean i think it's like the same concept as like should actors be making as much money mm-hmm. because really what it comes down to is like how valuable is our entertainment mm-hmm that's a good that was well said i don't know that i have an answer Mm -hmm. like i i mean in the most ideal world my answer is that like in the most ideal world it doesn't really make sense to me because like it's just entertainment Mm -hmm. um and it's like there's obviously so many other careers that sorry to all the entertainers i'm an entertainer for a living so like i guess i'm talking but it's like there's so many other careers that are so much more impactful in people's lives for example like teachers mm-hmm. i know that's like a really default one but it's because they really are getting shafted here you know mm-hmm. um and it's like i don't understand kind of how we got to this place and i say this both as like i don't get it like how did we get here but also like i just i actually don't understand like i don't know have the knowledge of like how we got here but like i don't really understand how come teachers like don't make that much but then like 
entertainers do. Yeah. You know, like I don't really know how or how that happened. Maybe that'd be an interesting topic. I don't really know what you'd look up, but so I don't know. I mean, like I think that when you think about why athletes specifically are getting paid more, it's because they're the best at what they do and Mm -hmm. they would contribute to a winning team. And so I think that it points to like the human nature to want to be the best and because some people have the money to pay to be the best they're going to do that yeah yeah so i i don't know i like it's weird because like i don't really know i don't think it will ever change and i don't know how you'd like what the fix would be or even like the change in Mm -hmm. thinking because it feels so innately human to like want to be entertained and to want to win yeah i don't know what are your thoughts no i mean that's a good answer i feel like i feel very similarly um yeah i i mean i when i hear the numbers that athletes get paid i'm like that is too high (laughs) do you feel the same way with like actors or does it i do and the thing is but it's like with actors that's only like a small percentage of actors get paid that much like most actors get paid like nothing (laughs) Totally. But I mean, that's the same thing with athletes. You're talking about like the top echelon of athletes. Granted, there are multiple sports. So like there's, you know, more people that are making that much money, but like, yeah, I mean, I almost understand it more for athletes in a way because it's like a physical thing. Like yeah. acting is so objective. <laughs> I mean, like there's some actors who's like, that's such a good actor. Totally. But like, it still is subjective to a certain degree. And like, you can't fake being a bad or like, sorry, you can't fake being like an amazing pitcher or something. Totally. But still just the numbers I hear my dad's like obsessed with contracts and knowing how much people sign for. And he tells me and I'm like, that's egregious to me. (laughs) Yeah. I think the other thing that's interesting, and this is a half-baked thought, um so sorry in advance (laughs) but the other thing that's interesting to me is like this idea that oh well athlete like because let's be honest if you're going to be a professional athlete like that didn't happen by accident where I feel like since we're talking about actors like you hear about like actors like Adam Driver for example like he was a little bit older when he like hit his big break and like to my understanding even got into acting he had like a whole other career and life before he was like, Oh, I like this. I'm going to do it. Um, where like with an athlete, you, you can't really do that. Like it's like your whole life. I would venture to say like 99.9% of all professional athletes have been doing, like didn't just start doing it in college. Yeah. Um, and in order to, you know, I grew up playing sports and I think about like my entire life revolved around sports and I, was not good enough to play in college. Um, And so I feel like it's one of those things where it's like you just kind of win this lottery and have the means or the, and or the discipline to like get yourself to this level to like be the best of the best. And so there's a certain train of like school of thought where you're like, well, they're sacrificing their body. They're sacrificing so much of their life. And then this is like the payoff. It's kind of like this gamble. I'm not saying that I think that the payoff should be tens and tens and hundreds of millions of dollars, 
but I think it just again it goes back to like how much do we as a society value entertainment and it's a fucking lot so it's true interesting interesting but so he's getting paid a ton of money (laughs) (laughs) speaking of 1.2 million dollars uh 2011 through 2035 um and so this happens every July 1st. He just like gets $1.2 million. Does he from like us. walk in and he's like, do, 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 where's my check? I feel like he gets like a chase notification. That's like, like deposit nice. greater than like $20. <laughs> wow. has been. Um, and so th- this is a pretty quick topic, but how rare I, it was like, how rare is this? Right. So Vanilla last played for the Mets in 1999, I believe I put 199. And I didn't put the second nine. I'm pretty sure it was 1999. Um, And last played in the MLB in 2001. So other deferred money contracts. This is courtesy of the ESPN Stats and Informations. uh, Ryan Milowicki. So (laughs) Bobby Bonilla again has a second deferred contract plan. So this isn't. So in addition to this 1.2 million every July, he has this other one with the Mets um, or with the Orioles that pays him half a million dollars a year for 25 years. And those payments began in 2004. This guy has like a killer retirement plan. Why him? (laughs) Why didn't no one want to pay him up front? I don't know. That's a good question. I don't know why. Was him. he like sickly? They're like, we might get rid of this guy sooner than we think. I don't know. But so he's <laughs> making $1.7 million every year um, combined from the Mets and the Orioles. Good for him. Good for him. Honestly, good for him. Does every, I, I'm sorry to obsess over how much people get paid, but does every baseball player get, like if you're on the Dodgers does everyone there's get paid a million dollars or no. there's some people that don't actually get paid that much there's a minimum and it's not that much my parents this guy Sorry. my parents neighborhood i won't say who he is because i'm gonna slightly dunk on him he well he a he was in my parents neighborhood but he was an mlb player for the angels and i like never understood why he lived in our neighborhood given that he was an mlb player and now he's a real estate agent so he must have not made that much money. Oh, yeah. No, I mean, like, it's very... I'm looking it up right now. I, like I said, I used to know this. Um, okay, so in 19... Okay, so in 1999, the minimum wage for a major league baseball player was $170,000 a year. Um, and it got raised... Or, sorry, prior to 1999. And then in 1999, it got raised to 200000 And now... That one up. Um, <laughs> as I say, now it's um, it's five hundred seventy thousand. So that's a lot. I thought it wow. was way less because maybe it's the ML, the NFL that I'm thinking of. Is this right? Oh my gosh, that's like so much. I did not know it was that much. Wow, that's a lot. Um, but yeah, and I think you only have to play like one game to be eligible to have to be bumped up to that because the minor leagues is is significantly less yeah wow um it was not that much when my dad played he was in the minor leagues though right or was he was in the i think leagues? he was in the major leagues for one season what year i can tell you what the minimum wage was 81 i want to say 81 
81. Oh, <laughs> bummer for him. It was $32,000. Oh, oh, missed out on John. that one. Just missed the boat. <laughs> Just about 20 years too early. No. Um, otherwise, you would have kind of cashed out a little bit more. <laughs> oh, well. Well, good for him. Maybe I'll gonna I'll start playing. <laughs> so then there's Brett Saberhagen who will receive um, $250,000 a year from the Mets again for 25 years. Who um, is managing the Mets? I was like, <laughs> we'll pay him off later. Um, and then Max, well, honestly, that's like a smart move because they're like, I'm going to retire by then. So like, that's somebody else's problem. Like, yeah. I'm just going to sign all these contracts with deferred payments. Yeah. And I'm going to like get out of here. Uh, Max Scherzer will receive $105 million total from the Nationals that will be paid out through 2028. Manny Ramirez will collect $24.2 million total from the Red Sox through 2026. Ken Griffey Jr. will receive $3.59 million from the Reds every year through 2024 as the deferral from his nine-year $116 million deal signed in 2000. Todd Helton will get $1.3 million from the Rockies every year through 2023 as a result of a $13 million deferred when he signed a two-year extension in 2010. Damn. I So while I was reading that, though, I was thinking also for our video folks, we're almost done with this episode, but my camera's getting really dark because it's getting dark outside. So sorry. <laughs> you made it this far thank you um but one thing that did come to mind though when i was reading this is like and i'm not very familiar with deferred contracts but like sorry my foot just cramped (laughs) (laughs) how um i'm not very familiar with deferred contracts but like if you are like is the whole contract deferred or was he making like some amount of money or did he literally just not make any money until they started making these payments do you know what i mean because i think you have to have like a certain amount of wealth built up to be like oh that's chill like just don't pay me for like however many years maybe they paid them the minimum and then we're like oh okay that's a good point you can't not pay someone that's illegal labor practice even if it's deferred payments yeah oh i didn't know that yeah i'm sure i'm pretty sure but I will leave us with this. Okay. Under their new owner, Steve Cohen, he mentioned uh, the Mets' new owner, Steve Cohen. He mentioned that they might celebrate Vanilla at City Field, where the Mets play every year, and embrace Vanilla Day. That's cute. I hope so. I think that's the best way to handle it. I hope he gets a giant check every year. <laughs> yeah, it's like they <laughs> they just like present him every year with like a giant check. That'd be cute. I like that. So that's my my little quickie today. Oh, good. Um, I'm sure he would give me a thousand dollars for my agency. Um, <laughs> okay. Well, I guess that's it. Um, thanks for listening or watching. Uh, don't forget new episodes every Friday and, uh, youtube.com slash shut up. Keep going. If you want to watch the video podcast and if you want to listen, we're everywhere that there are podcasts. So Thanks. Bye-bye. Bye.